The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I want to talk to you about Super Draft. Good new daily fantasy website, tons and tons of fun, and it's different. It's not like the other sites. There's no prices. You play the guys you want. If you want to take the chalk guys, they're low because it's a multiplier format. The the less chalky the guy, the better the value you'd be on other sites, the heavier the multiplier he is. It's tons and tons of fun. They got golf, bas- uh, baseball, and football right now. They had a $125,000 tournament last week with 25 up top. They've opened it up again for week two NFL action. There's overlay galore right now on the NFL side of things. Baseball as well. There's more and more people joining, so get on it while you can. Super draft in your app store and use promo code Bubba when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. You get a free $10 on top of that. So go to Super Draft, check it out, enjoy the overlay, enjoy the new multiplier, no pricing format. Use promo code Bubba. If you have any questions, hit us up in the Fantasy Sports DJ's chat, Slack chat as we talk about it all the time over there. All right, if you get a rating and review on iTunes, I'd really, really appreciate it. It would help the podcast out a ton. But for now, welcome to Bench with Bubba, episode 210 with Brian Drake, recapping the fantasy football week one action with a look ahead to week two. back everybody to another episode of benched with bubba episode 210 gonna recap the week one fantasy football action with a little look ahead to week two intermixed and all of it in order to do so I have a special guest first time to the podcast first uh you can find his work over on the fantasy football hustle podcast he's on twitter at drake fantasy brian drake how we doing man i'm doing real well thanks for having me in i'm looking forward to talking about week one and getting into week two and it's crazy because now these weeks just start snowballing together, man. And before you know it, it's going to be week 12 and we're going to be going, oh, my God, what happened to this season? Yep, so true, so true. It's like right when you think you figured you, you finished looking, ahead, uh, looking at the week behind, you're almost too late We're looking ahead. And it's just, like you said, the snowball, snowballs on top of each other over and over again. So 
content, 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 and uh, we'll get as much as you can. Twice as I was saying, we won't focus as much on waiver wire like early week shows since we're a middle of the week. Just kind of recap, but also look at the head at the same time. It'll intermix everything and give everybody what they need. Kind of a little twist of, of the norm, but a lot of the norm as well. So uh, we'll get into that. We'll go over just the big games, not all of them, but we'll start. I'm a Dolphins fan, as many of the listeners know, and this is going to be a horrific season, as I'm very Oof. well aware of. I'm, I'm expecting the worst. I was expecting the worst. Not sure I was expecting a team to go for it on fourth down and, and fake punts and all that kind of stuff when they were crushing a team, but that's another story. The Ravens demolished the Miami Dolphins. Lamar Jackson was basically perfect. Perfect passer rating, was just torching everybody. They said they wanted to pass it more in the preseason. What are your expectations going forward with Lamar Jackson? Because he had a great Sunday. There's no hiding that. But it's also unrealistic that he could be that good every Sunday. What do you expect from him going forward? I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Uh, A friend of my show, Matt Waldman, all summer long was telling anybody who would listen how great Lamar Jackson is and he's going to be an improved thrower and pounding the table, draft this kid. He's going to be good. The offense is going to open up. They're setting the table for everything that he can do. Uh, and really, it was just the greatest matchup of all time. I, I'm sorry, as a Dolphins fan, I mean, that's a high school team. And I said oh, on Twitter, that's that's not be, good, that might like, be putting it nicely. Yeah, they're not even like a good like Texas high school team. They're like, you know, like upstate New York where I live. Like, it's not good at all. Uh, but ooh, I, I don't expect Lamar Jackson to be like that every week. And we didn't get the rushing that we've so been so accustomed to with Lamar Jackson. This was all with his arm. So he's going to come back down to earth during the season. To be honest, this might be a great chance after this Arizona game week two. If you could sell high, if he's kind of your second quarterback, see what you can get for him. No, and that's a great point because he should ball out this Sunday as well at home against a very suspect defense and might have turnovers setting up good field position. So it could be a big week. Yeah, then you can flip them and, and see what you need to fill on your roster after two weeks of injuries and what else. Uh, maybe look ahead to um, you know possible bye weeks if you have a, a hole on your team. You could definitely fill in some gaps, and, and that's a good call because he's going to be very good, but we need to, to rein it back here. We'll keep talking about it. This Ravens team is going to be good, but their backfield, they had a three-headed monster going there. Ingram got his scores. He, he played a little bit of a, work hole, a workhorse. You had Gus Edwards. You had so much going on back there. What are you doing with this Ravens backfield going forward? Because, again, they're not going to have this many – kind of opportunities to feed everybody. It's interesting you say that because in my home league that I care about more than anything in fantasy football, I'm always scouring the waiver wire and Gus Edwards is on the wire. And I just have this feeling at some point he's going to be really relevant in fantasy football because let's say Ingram goes down. I know everybody in fantasy Twitter is a buzz with Justice Hill, but Justice Hill is going to be more of a complimentary satellite back. He's not going to be the guy who's going to grind it between the tackles, you know, 25 times. Ingram got 14 touches before this thing got really out of hand. He's still got all the goal line work. He's the back to own. If you own Ingram, I would absolutely want Gus Edwards as a, a high priority handcuff. Justice Hill kind of just mucks this whole situation up, and he's going to, I think, take a lot of the the passing down work. I wouldn't mind holding on to him, but. I, I don't see him as somebody who you're going to look at and say like, you know, he, you know, he's Austin Eckler. He's not going to have that kind of impact if he was to be, you know, the man in the offense, they're going to keep splitting this pie up. And Oh, by the way, the quarterback runs a thousand times a game. Usually. Yeah. And that was always my biggest thing is you have so many 
pieces there in one football. It's like the old basketball thing. It's these guys creating super teams. It's like, it's all great and all, but you only have one ball. So I don't know how mm-hmm. you're going to make everybody happy here. And, and I'm with you. I think the, the Edwards call is great. We saw it last year. I, I do this every podcast and it kills me because I drafted it. Um, I, I've had to look it up on every show. I've drafted the guy everywhere last year for Baltimore. Who was the guy that was supposed to be the lead back? And um, it seemed like Gus Edwards and everybody else took over all the role there. It was but, Alex um, Collins, right? Yes, Alex Collins. I, I think I just permanently tried to get him out of my brain for what took place last year because I bought into him being the guy. Well, I like Ingram a ton, but I'm with you. Gus Edwards is going to get his. There's going to be a, a handful of games this year where he's going to probably shine. You're going to be like, if you're an Ingram owner, it's going to hurt. But at the same time, Ingram should be the guy with uh, with Edwards following. Justice Hill is an interesting dynamic. And you also nailed it. Lamar didn't run this game. There's going to be a lot of games where Lamar is asked to run. And that's going to crush your running back situation. So we'll have to see how that plays out. One last piece of uh, talk for the Ravens. We already know Mark Andrews is a big piece of that. He came through on a fourth down conversion touchdown. Don't get me started on that one. But um, – Malcolm Brown, Hollywood Brown, the rookie that a lot of people were big on, big play receiver out of Oklahoma, four for 147 and two scores, just took the top off of that defense. You know, big play guys are tough to play in fantasy because you need it to bust the big one. But what's your thoughts on Malcolm Brown? Because uh, one thing Jackson did do in college a lot, he has no problem throwing it deep. Yeah, Hollywood Brown really fits Lamar Jackson's skill set quite well. I just can't feel comfortable putting a guy in my lineup who played 12 snaps. DFS, you know, tournament, you want to win a a million dollars, God bless you. He's a great play for that. But I just can't see – this is a team that – I mean, how many balls did Lamar Jackson throw on the day? 20? I mean, maybe a a crazy game script, but he's never going to have games where he's throwing 35 times, you know, like a Phillip Rivers or something like that might. So – you know, if you want to have him, great. Another guy, I think, if you got him and you can sell him high, by all means, go for it. Um, we'll mention one thing about the Dolphins. It might be the last time to get mentioned on the podcast, recapping any game this year. Uh, I've always said don't t- trust the running backs. That's a, a muddy situation. But a team that's going to be playing from behind a lot, Fitzpatrick's going to throw it a ton. Eventually, Rosen's going to get there. He's going to have to throw it because he'll have no choice. Devontae Parker's always had a skill set, just an inconsistent one. He had seven targets, three catches for 75. Mm-hmm. Preston Williams, he made everybody happy in the preseason. He had five targets, three for 24, and a score. And even in the tight end position, Jacecki had six targets, but like two for 31. If you had to take any piece of that receiving situation, I know Albert Wilson was a big name. Do you like any of those three guys, or are you just saying, you know what, leave Miami out of it all? On my podcast, The Fantasy Football Hustle, cheat plug right there, um, we talked about all 32 teams this week. We literally spent eight seconds talking about the Miami Dolphins and jumped (laughs) over them. But, listen, I drafted Mike Gusecki in the Scott Fishbowl. I want him to have a good season. And I was big on Preston Williams. He's a big dude. He fits the profile of an ex-receiver. When has Devontae Parker ever done anything? So I think if I'm going to put a chip on that offense, it's going to be on Preston Williams. He's a, a young, better than anything, cheap guy that they can build around for the next few years. And Parker will be gone. Uh, and they'll kind of just rebuild in, with Tua and whoever they've got in here at quarterback. And uh, if I got to do it this year, though, I think I'm going to put it on Preston Williams. I'm reading these blurbs. And do you notice out there the Roto World effect that they'll say something? 
and they'll say like, this guy's not worth a pickup and, or don't, you know, you can cut this guy. And you're like, don't, don't say that. I'm trying to trade this guy in my league. Don't say <laughs> this guy's worthless. Like I'm not asking you for an opinion. I'm looking for stats from you. And I think yep, they kind of said something like that with Preston Williams this week. Like, oh, he, he's never going to be fantasy relevant. Just, you know, leave him on the wire. Like, don't say that. Yeah, no, that's what those guys do. You got your Preston Wilsons. You got your, uh, your Roto Worlds. You got your Evan Silvas, your Pat Mayos. When the big boys speak, it just floods everywhere. So it, it, sometimes it's really good for us that just don't care about, you know, it's like the version of coach speak, fantasy speak. Uh, other other people just flock to it like moths to a flame, and it gets ugly real quick. So I'm 100% with you. Like Preston Williams is actually a guy I drafted late in a lot of drafts this year in deeper leagues. The Dolphins fan, they're going to throw it a ton. They're going to want to see what he's got. He had a rapport with Josh Rosen in the preseason. Rosen will be starting at least after the week before bye, if not before that. I think they'll wait till the bye week to see. They were maybe holding hope that Fitzpatrick could pull something out of his rear end. But uh, I don't think it's happening, obviously. So Rosen will be starting. He's got that rapport. I think that's enough Dolphins talk tonight. Um, <laughs> yeah, Bills, Jets, 17-16, nothing fancy except Josh Allen gets it done again. It's ugly. It's really ugly, but he gets it done again. 24 of 37 for 254, touchdown, two picks. 10 for 38 on the ground with another touchdown. He made great acquaintances with John Brown. 10 targets, seven catches, 123 and a touchdown. Even fed Beasley a little bit. Singletary was well used out of the backfield in the passing game. But Josh Allen, John Brown looks like a heck of a one-two punch. What are you thinking about this for fantasy-wise? It might not be pretty real football, but fantasy-wise, there's got to be some, uh, some something to enjoy here. You hit the nail on the head there. With In reality, it's awful because I live in upstate New York. I'm a few hours down the road from Buffalo. Josh Allen sucks. I, I don't, I'll say it. He's terrible. He is not an NFL caliber quarterback. And if you say that anywhere where the Bills Mafia can hear you, they will flood your Twitter feed for days. But, it, <laughs> you know, the truth hurts sometimes. But John Brown, holy smokes, the one thing that Josh Allen can do is throw the ball deep. And if you want John Brown to run fast behind corners and catch bombs, he can do that all day long. So he's a really good fit here. I was shocked how late he was going in drafts. I mean, you're getting a number one receiver in like the 12th round. So I'm all on board with that. Uh, Josh Allen, again, if you're just streaming and hoping he runs some in, you know, that's what you're going to get. He's like, you know, last year's Lamar Jackson, it, really. It, it, we had this conversation once on another show. It's like, which guy would you rather have going forward, Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen? Because their skill sets are almost identical. Yeah. You know, now you'd say a year ago, you'd say Josh Allen was a much better passer. After this week, you'd say, oh, my God, Lamar Jackson is the next Michael Vick. Um so th- that's where I am with these bills. I- I'd love to have John Brown on my team. Josh Allen, you know, I don't know. Take what you can get. If you saw the first half of that game, it was brutal. The guy just is a turnover machine. Yeah, it wasn't pretty at all. But, uh, yeah, I thought yeah, at halftime, Jets were dominating. I'm like, oh, this is not good. And then, you know, Adam Gase. If anyone can lose a game like that, it's Adam Gase. Trust me, I know. You're so, so right. That was uh, that was just Adam Gase for a freaking T. A couple quick notes on the Jets. Le'Veon Bell, no one needs to be concerned. He was literally the workhorse like we hoped he'd be. So that was phenomenal. Trust going forward, full go, uh, full go ahead. But the real good one that caught my attention, Robbie Anderson's banged up. Quincy Anuna is now out for the year. They did trade uh, for DT, Demarius Thomas. But Jamison Crowder, 17 targets, 14 catches, 99 yards. You know, 17 targets may be asking a lot. But we do know that Sam Darnold loves that slot receiver. 
Yep. What's your take on Crowder this year? Like a big PPR, like wide receiver two or three could be in question, don't you think? Absolutely. In a full point PPR league, Jamison Crowder is somebody you're going to want to stick in there every single week, especially a deep league where you maybe start like three receivers. Those are the best. Uh, he's going to be awesome. He's going to catch, you know, eight to 10 balls every single week. And just like you said, we know Sam Darnold loves throwing it over the middle. That's what he did last year with Anunwa and Curse and whoever they, you know, could pull out of the wheelchair and put in there last year. So, yeah, if you got Jamison Crowder, God bless you because you got yourself a fine, high upside wide receiver too. I mean, he's not going to have games where he goes crazy in the yardage, but in a full point PPR, he's just going to rack them up. Yep, I'm with you. Big, big fan of Crowder. Kind of sucked he was banged up last year. And then those final years in uh, Washington as uh, as well. So good to see him getting his. Let's go to the Redskins at the Eagles. Eagles didn't show up in the first half, dominated the second half. It's pretty much the story of this one. But when looking at the Redskins, I thought their offense would be just completely putrid. It was better than I expected. Question I have for you, Brian. There were there were one, two, five receivers with at least seven targets. McLaurin's the one getting all the buzz this week. He had the monster game. But Chris Thompson had a huge game out of the backfield. Vernon Davis had a monster touchdown run. Paul Richardson, Trey Quinn each had big games as well, at least target-wise. What are you doing with this backfield? You know, Darius Geis is out now. How do you assess this? So this is funny. Core, I mean. I, well, let me – I'll touch on the backfield first too. I, in my one main league I said that I care about, had the second waiver claim. I assumed the first waiver was going to be Adrian Peterson, and then I had the second claim lined up for Chris Thompson. Just because, you know, it's what you do. You say, well, I'm going to put a claim in for Peterson. Uh, you know, what the hell? We'll see what happens. All of a sudden, I wake up this morning, and I look, I got Peterson. And I, oh. I was like, oh. And now I'm thinking, <laughs> like, well, maybe there'll be a trade market for this guy. You know, he is a starting running back. Nope. Nobody wants this guy. He's very Frank Gore-like, where, yep. you know, it's like, okay, you're going to get, you know, I don't know, 12 carries for 68 yards. So there's your 6.8 points. Um, Chris Thompson, two of the last three years, I think has been a top 30 PPR wow. running back. So I that's a guy I'd really love to, to grab onto uh, if you can get him. If you want to talk about their wide receivers, I'm a big fan of Terry McLaurin. Drafted him in the Kings Classic League out in Canton, Ohio, with one of my last picks. Thought he's going to be a really good player. He's a great route runner, really fast. And he's got a connection with Haskins as soon as he gets in there. So that could be something to watch for down the road. He's kind of the guy I'd, I'd want to own in that. I also love Kelvin Harmon. I think he's really good. If he gets on the field, he might be able to do something. Again, like we said with the Miami, awful team, going to throw a ton. So you know you don't want to have a piece of really bad teams. But, hey, you get, there's injuries, stuff happens. you got to have somebody on your squad. And, you know, McLaurin for a fourth, fifth wide receiver, you could do worse. Yeah, no, that, that's the buzz. I know he went a lot of places this week. He'd be still available. Definitely worth a shot there. I think Trey Quinn's going to have some upside at times. I love Chris Thompson. Like you said, that's the guy I, I wanted in a lot of places. I've always been a Chris Thompson guy, but he's always hurt. But like I, I've been saying on my DFS show, if he's healthy, you play Chris Thompson. That's just the bottom hey, we, line because they're going to throw it a lot. Darius Geis may have been dropped in a lot of leagues. I know in a few that I was in, I saw him being dropped. There's a very real chance he could come back in like two weeks. So, I mean, if he's dropped, go get him. Stack him on your bench. He has way more upside than Adrian Peterson does. No, that's a tremendous call there. I agree. Guys sitting on my bench with the upside that's been set AP out there. I'm 100% with you on that one. On the Eagles side of things, they look great in the second half. 
Miles Sanders uh, busted a big run there, did some things. But the, but the big storyline for me, and there was probably many others, but fantasy-wise, Deshaun Jackson looked like he was five years ago, Deshaun Jackson. He was taking the top off the defense. He had 10 targets, eight for 154, and two touchdowns. Is D-Jack's back, Brian? Well, he was the easiest call of the week in daily fantasy sports. And I do a DFS show called Eat the Chalk. And you can find that on iTunes, uh, just at, at Eat the Chalk DFS on Twitter. And I came out and said, because I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I watch the, every game that they play. I've seen every snap for you know 15 years, 20 years now. And it, what they've been missing in this offense is that vertical element. They kind of had it with Torrey Smith during the Super Bowl run. And last year, they didn't have it at all. That's why that offense was so compressed. And now that Jackson can take the top off the defense, you're going to see it open up things in the middle for Ertz. You're going to see Aguilar become more of a factor in the offense out of the slot. Elshon should be doing his thing on the outside. You've got you know 5,000 running backs that Doug Peterson likes to play. So you're not going to get this stat line from DJX every week, but he absolutely has a rapport with Carson Wentz. And he's going. To, they're going to take shots to him. No question, you know, there's not going to be a week where they don't throw one deep to him. Uh, so he's a great wide receiver three because if he hits, man, he's going to hit big. Yeah, I'm with you. He's, he's a, a big upside guy. Um, would you rather have a guy like Jackson or Hollywood Brown? Oh, Jackson all day long. Okay. So Better offense. And he can run more routes. He's, yes, you know, he's Hollywood Brown eight years later. Now we learned how to run routes and be a complete receiver. So uh, you're going to see him in the red zone. They did that a lot during training camp is they had some a lot of rub routes and pick plays and things where uh, Deshaun Jackson scores. So watch that as we go on through the season. He's going to score a lot of touchdowns. Yeah, I just want to make that comp because there's so many people drooling over Hollywood Brown. And I don't think they realize just how good D-Jax is besides just the big playability. So lots mm-hmm. to like there. Uh, St. Louis went into Carolina, beat the, the the Panthers by three. Rams looking strong yet again. Um, Gurley, 14 carries, 97 yards. He got vultured on two touchdowns by Malcolm Brown. Slightly concerning. Only got one target out of the backfield. If you're a Todd Gurley owner, and he, he did fall compared to what we expect Todd Gurley to do, all the talk preseason about his workload, are you good with the workload you saw there? Or if you're an owner, are you concerned? Well, I think that he got 15 touches. You got to think this is really his preseason. You know, he's he didn't play at all during the four preseason games, so he got 15 touches in a PPR. You know, he caught a ball. Um, he got you what 10, 12 points, whatever it was. I mean, I'm happy with it. I'm still nervous as hell to have him on my roster, but I don't think Malcolm Brown is going to become an every week thing. And hey, remember a, a month ago when? Everybody was drafting Daryl Henderson like he was the handcuff and he was going to have this huge role. What happened? Where was that on Sunday? Yeah, that was the surprising part. It's like, okay, if he's going to get vultured, why isn't it Daryl Henderson? Yeah, Malcolm Brown's the cuff there. That's the guy to own behind him if, if you're a Gurley owner. Is Make sure you have him stashed on the bench because if and when Gurley gets hurt, this guy's a top 10 running back. Yep, in a big way. So something just to keep an eye on as always. And then the receiving situation, the three-headed monster was back. You know, Cooper Cup missed a lot of last season with his uh, ACL injury, but he's back. Robert Woods, 13 targets, 8 for 70. Cup, 10 targets, 7 for 46. Cooks, 6 targets, 2 for 39. Cooks was missed on a couple wide-open passes. Goff was off, especially early on. But his relationship with Cup picked up right where it left off. Woods is still a beast. 
what do you do? Like, obviously you play all three at all times, but how do you kind of, if you have to pick and choose, who do you like in the situation there in LA? For some reason, I have an unhealthy dislike for Brandon cooks. I don't know why. Uh, maybe he always shows up against the Eagles, but I don't know. I've just never been a Brandon cooks guy, but he always kind of produces to me. I just look at him. I'm like, eh, I don't know. He's a little hit or miss, but I love Bob Woods. Great wide receiver, totally underrated. Cooper Cup's awesome. Uh, either of those two guys I'd love to have in my lineup. You just set it and forget it, and you got a rock-solid wide receiver too. Yep, no doubt about it. On the Panthers side of things, uh, if people are curious about how, how good Christian McCaffrey was, just look at the box score. My goodness, what that boy did. He is going to do that a lot this year. But in the receiving situation, all preseason, Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel. He had four targets, three for 32. Moore had 10 targets, seven for 20 or seven for 76. Moore was the big time guy they drafted last year, DJ Moore. He had a big, big Sunday. Even Greg Olson had nine targets, four for 36. Olson's back's a little banged up right now, so keep an eye on that. But DJ Moore over Curtis Samuel, I think that's how it's going to go the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, DJ Moore's the one there. Uh, Samuel had a good camp, but he was really more of a gadget player last year. And now he's becoming a full wide receiver. Am I the only person out there watching this game that's worried about Cam Newton? I don't think he's back at all. My I think that ankle injuries. I think that ankle injury is worse than people think. Oh yeah, like the shoulder motion and the the new the shoulder was hurt, so he's got a new throwing motion. The foot's obviously not right. He didn't run at all, which crushes his fantasy value because I started him in a league or two and I, I lost. But yeah, I don't know. It's just something with Cam's not right, man. And I'm I'm kind of heading for the hills with him. But if he's going to sit back there and, and sling it short, um, you know, his receivers are going to be fine. They should have a really good night on Thursday against uh, Tampa. So it, your buying window on Curtis Samuel, I think, ends tomorrow night at about 8.30. So if you can get him on the cheap now, maybe you can go get him. Yeah, no, I think Curtis Samuel will still be very good, like you said, especially in that short inter- intermediate passing game. But um, there's there's a lot of overreacting right now, a lot of people freaking out after all that hype and how he turned out. So go get him now, like you said. Uh, the Chiefs went into Jacksonville and the Chiefs things. They just pure domination. Patrick Mahomes had well over 300 yards at the half. Uh, he's got an ankle injury, played through it, taped them up. He's supposed to be good to go, but just keep an eye on the ankle situation. We'll start in the receiving core. Tyree Kill, collarbone injury, like pretty scary situation. So like it almost punctured his like, pelvis, like some weird, like in his, yeah, he had sternum or something. He had some weird stuff going on there. But uh, so he's out for a little while. Sammy Watkins just went bananas, nine for 198 and three touchdowns. Kelsey got his as usual. Damian Williams out of the backfield. We'll talk the backfield in a minute. But you got Sammy Watkins, you got Travis Kelsey, uh, Hardman, people are talking up. What are you doing for a Tyree Kill fill-in, even if it's not just on the Chiefs? How are you trying – because you can't find a, a one on the waiver wires, but what are you trying to fill him in with? So I, I, it's funny you mention that. I was really looking hard at this for the few minutes before you and I got on the air. And obviously they went out and drafted Nicole Hardman out of Georgia because he is kind of a, a – let's say what it is. He's a Tyreek Hill clone, okay? If you saw him at Georgia, he was phenomenal, just electric with the ball in his hands. They spent an early round pick to get him. But let's not forget about Demarcus Robinson, who still got a really healthy number of snaps, is a way more polished wide receiver, and could be a guy 
the coaching staff at this point in the season trusts a little more to start it and get those snaps. Hardman's going to get his. He's going to play. But I think people are sleeping on Robinson. And if I'm in a deep DFS tournament this weekend, maybe I put a chip or two on Demarcus Robinson. And if he comes through, he's going to be super low owned. Um, you know, those two are going to be interchangeable right now. Watkins is great, man. Another guy, if you got him, congratulations, because he's going to put up wide receiver one numbers for the next two months until Tyreek Hill comes back. And and who knows if he comes back? And this is, like you said, a super serious injury. Uh, so, yeah, Sammy Watkins is going to show why he was, uh, you know, such a stud coming out of college. And remember, he was really good in Buffalo. He just started getting hurt the last few years, and everybody is down on him now. But he's a hell of a talent. Yeah, he's been banged up a lot. He's been on a bad Buffalo team. The talent's always been there. I drafted him late in a few leagues that I was able to get him in. I'm a big fan of what he has. So I think he's a good spot. The the Hardman calls what I was curious on, so that's good to hear your thoughts on that one. Now let's go to the backfield. When Shady McCoy came into town, Damian Williams' owners were panicking. Darwin Mm -hmm. Thompson owners were really panicking. Darwin Thompson obviously nowhere to be found this weekend. Damian Williams, 13 carries for 26 yards and a score. McCoy, 10 carries for 81 yards. If you look at the passing game, Williams had six targets, six catches for 39 yards. Shady, one for 12. Damian was still the guy, but McCoy did take a good chunk out of the action. If you're a Damian Williams owner or you could get LaShawn McCoy, how do you look at that backfield situation after week one in Kansas City? There was nobody all all summer beating the table more for Damian Williams as a fringe first-round pick than me. I loved him. I loved the opportunity. I loved the player. More so, I just love the situation. The situation has changed. And LaShawn McCoy coming in here, and if if anyone's listened to my podcasts all summer long, I've been drafting LaShawn McCoy, and people would bust my balls and say, why the hell would you draft McCoy? He sucks. And I go, because he's not going to be there. And I would just joke, and I'd go, imagine he goes back to his boy Andy Reid, because nobody comes back around on their old players like Andy Reid does. He always brings guys back. And then he goes out, whoop. That uh, Labor Day weekend, that Saturday night, all of a sudden everyone's phone goes off. I was at a draft, and the guy who picked Damian Williams in the second round just puts his phone down, and he's just like, oh, F it. I don't know if you can swear on this podcast or not, but we'll yeah, clean it up. Yeah, let it loose. <laughs> so it, I think McCoy could really take this job. Now, he hasn't looked great lately the past few years in Buffalo, but who's to say he can't go out there and, and – run wild in this offense he's going through monster holes the defense is always in nickel or dime or anything like that They're, he's never going to face a stacked box and he, he can be a good pass catcher so if i'm a damian williams owner i'm super worried but i'm not dropping him or anything because mccoy could actually break down and then williams is back to being the super stud savior you thought he was yeah it's a tough situation because you just nailed it at the end there especially as you can't drop any of these guys because you want the guy that is the running back in the Andy Reid system, bottom yep. line. So it's like you, if you have a piece of them, you're just going to grind it and grind it because, you know, Damian might have – he, he could have broke a second one or something. McCoy's going to get his. It's it's just a, a bad situation. They're not running back ones. They're more like kind of running back two slash flex options at times. They're going to have big games. Like they're going into Oakland this weekend. Wouldn't be shocked if both of them put up double-digit fantasy weeks. Like, they could both flourish in that situation there. 
it's just stressful because you went all offseason thinking, okay, Damian Williams, the number one, he's going to be the cream hunter. We saw he did in the postseason. And then they go and get shady. And, and you nailed it. And I know a couple other guys that were savvy like you that kept saying it all offseason that this is the spot he should land in. And boom, there it happened. And it's a real savvy move on your guys' part because I was kind of playing dumb to the whole situation. And I, I kept getting worried he was going to go to Tampa Bay, and I wanted nothing to do with that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, KC is a great spot. I, I see serious appeal there. Like, let's just have some fun with it. Would you rather have LaShawn McCoy or Latavius Murray? Wow, that's a good question. Um, oh, Because it's all about, well, I'm going to say at this point McCoy because he, no matter what happens, is going to have a significant role in that offense. Murray, you really need Kamara to go down. And if he does, then, you know, the world's on fire. And, you know, he's going to win people a lot of money. But right now, McCoy, because regardless of what happens, like I said, he's, he's got a major role. Okay, that's like the first one that really stood out. There's other ones like you got Madison in, in, in Minnesota, but Cook's the guy, but Cook can break down and then the world's on fire there. Um, it, there's a lot of weird situations like that, but um, Shady's there. Let's have – this guy's actually a starter on a team, but with so many hands in the pie, would you rather have Shady McCoy or, say, a Sony Michelle or a Mark Ingram? Mark Ingram I'd have over all of them. I own Michelle in a big league, and I'm petrified now because what the hell's going on with all this Rex Burkhead nonsense? It's it's um, it's 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 Belichick. If I had Sony last year, he'd have huge games. Then remember, James Devlin had three goal line touchdowns in a game. It's just oh man, I'm calling it right now. If you're playing DFS this week, put Sony Michelle in a couple of lineups. Because they're playing Miami, they're going to boat race him, and this is the week no one's on him, and he scores three touchdowns. Yeah, I just got done talking about it on my DFS show. I said when he, when he did go off last year, it was in games they won by double digits because he got over twenty carries, which usually got him over a hundred yards and like multiple scores. Like he just goes off because they feed him and feed him and feed him because they don't want Tom Brady getting sacked and hurt. Like. The only thing that's going to stop is they want to make a point because they always struggle in Miami and don't think Bill Belichick doesn't know that narrative. So that, mm-hmm. that's that's the only thing I'm concerned with. And if, if Antonio Brown it does play, they love to showcase their guys in early games. Like when Gordon came back, they made a point to throw it to him in the end zone. That could happen. But then again, we just saw the, the Ravens have everybody succeed because they scored 60 points basically. So couldn't you totally, couldn't you totally see, because it's the NFL – Whenever you think this is a mortal lock and everyone's on something, it never happens. You know? Oh, yeah. So what if the Dolphins win this game? I tell they you right have, now. They, they I, could. I'd take, the, I'd take the Miami plus 19 on a heartbeat. I'd take yeah. that in a sec. Like, I understand they just got boat raced, and I understand it's crazy. But like you said it right at the beginning of that, it's the NFL. Craziness takes place, especially for a home team in a conference matchup, a rivalry matchup. 19 points, I don't care how bad you are. That is crazy talk. Yeah, what if it's super hot down there? I don't know what the forecast is, but what if it's really hot or it's really rainy? Uh, you know, and then th- those are all big factors. And then who knows what this A-B nonsense has done to the team. You see all day today, players on the Patriots are talking about it, so it's taken away from their game plan because they're talking about Antonio Brown. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. Trust me, I'll have a – I'll have one of my eyes peeled onto that game for at least a quarter or so. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, last piece of this Jacksonville game, 
Nick Foles broken collarbone. It was it sucked. At least he got a big touchdown to DJ Shark on it. But uh, Foles out for the year. And Gardner Minshew, the stash, the just awesome guy that every day has got a new Twitter video that just makes you laugh. Uh, and he was actually good. And, and the people forget he was almost a backup at Alabama. He flung it all over the field at Washington State. He played really well in this game. Now, is that going to work week in and week out? Who knows? But what's your thoughts on just this Jacksonville offense? Because we had kind of high hopes with Nick Foles there. Now with Minshew, it, it gets a little more cloudy. <sighs> Have you seen the pictures of him on Twitter and what he oh, looks it's amazing. like? It's amazing. Some guy had a great tweet. I retweeted it. It just said, Gardner Minshew is a used tire salesman. And it just, <laughs> he just looks like this like weird like porn star slash guy you'd see at a bar at like 3 in the afternoon. Like, I, hey, God bless him. But um, he looks better than a rookie should. Like, he played really well in the preseason. He got a lot of reps. And he looks pretty good now. You know what always happens in these situations, too, is the guy who was the backup, who does he target? The guy who was second string with him. Yep. So maybe it's a Chris Conley. Somebody who is running with that second unit is his you know, binky, and that's what he's used to going to. So maybe instead of going to D.D. Westbrook, or everybody thought with Nick Foles, maybe he's really high on Chris Conley. Who who knows? But we see that happen in, in football a lot. Um, I, I don't know if there's going to be a super big drop-off. They're a team that's going to run the ball a ton and try to get by with their defense, which isn't the same defense from two years ago, not even close. Um, so, you know, I think he'll be fine. I know in the Scott Fishbowl, people were dumping their entire – fab budget on this guy really oh yeah because it's you know quarterback premium league so if you need a a high-end backup if you're in the 2qb league and you lost foals or you're worried about it here's another thing if you own deshaun watson please for the love of god go get a backup quarterback this guy's getting murdered behind that line so just have somebody in the wings yeah they they needed more than laramie tunsil like it's bad watching that game he's he's yeah he was in the you need little Tunso, tent, tent the guy quick. that sold him the gas mask, his weed dealer, his cousin. You need them all out there. The, the guy filming it, they need everybody. The whole yeah. the whole clan. They need nine offensive linemen. It's bad. Bad deal there. Uh, Chargers-Colts. This was a kind of fun one. I thought the Colts would be better than people kept clowning on him. Their set's not that bad. Different team than when he was there before. Goes to overtime. Chargers win. Uh, one of the big takeaways, of course, Austin Eckler, who many of us liked coming into the season, just flourished uh seven catches or six catches 96 yards two scores 12 for 58 on the ground with another touchdown he dominated keenan allen got his uh 10 targets eight for 123 um and then the the new story is hunter henry he's going to be out four to six weeks some are saying more like six to eight so eckler keenan got theirs there's no hunter henry give me your thoughts on this chargers offense going forward there's probably five running backs out there that I'd rather own more than Austin Eckler. Like I, I made a couple of offers out to owners in leagues today for Austin Eckler. Maybe they're not as high. You're going to go, Hey, maybe Melvin Gordon comes back, but their offensive line is hot garbage. Phil rivers is the king of the check down. He is going to be a PPR monster every single week. He's going to catch a ton of passes and look at games last year when Hunter Henry was out. Their running backs caught a boatload of passes. And it's going to be the same thing. Mike Williams is banged up now. They have nobody. It's Keenan Allen's going to catch 60 balls. And these running backs are going to be interspersed. And they're going to catch you know another 20. So 
Eckler's going to be the man as long as he's healthy. Yep, I'm with you. I think he's a, a gold mine back there. And with no Hunter Henry now, it's the Eckler and Allen show. They're going to get fed over. Wish I had more shares, but. Yeah, it's going to be wild. Uh, the Colts side of thing, Brissett didn't look bad. Marlon Mack went crazy. Going forward, do you, do you expect more of the same or, or, or better for Brissett? And then I don't think there's any way Mack can keep this up. Hilton was great. But what's your thoughts on what you saw from the Colts this weekend and what we should expect going forward there? T.Y. Hilton's target share was astronomical, and he's not going to be able to keep that up. Um, you've lost uh, – oh, what the hell? His name escapes me now. The Funchess out for the season Funchess now. Too. So. So he's banged up. Maybe Deion Kane or Paris Campbell slides in at that second spot, but you don't want a secondary option in an offense where they're playing hide the quarterback. So, I mean, Marlon Mack, I've never been a fan because I don't like running backs who don't catch passes, and he doesn't catch them at all. Like, he's allergic to catching passes. So, I mean, I guess the game script was good enough where he could get the touches, but I don't know. He To me, he's... I know their offense is going to go through him because they want to keep the ball out of Brissett's hands, but I don't know. He just doesn't excite me. He doesn't really do anything for me. Yeah, no, it's going to be real interesting for sure. It's not like I'm not running to enjoy any of it. Uh, let's go to Cincinnati at the Seahawks. Seahawks went much more competitive game than I expected. And the new look Bengals, I'm going to go with the new look Bengals on this one. Their offense, Andy Dalton threw the ball 51 times, and it's not like he was coming from behind in this game. It was very interesting. I know Joe Mixon got banged up, but it was still very, very interesting to me. 35 of 51, 418 in two stores. John Ross targeted 12 times. Tyler Boyd targeted 11 times. Are we thinking that this is a new wave of Bengals offense? And, you know, they got the Niners coming to town this weekend. Not a great defense. Could this really get interesting with Cincinnati? This is the Los Angeles Rams offense. And all offseason on, on my show, the, the Fantasy Football Hustle, we've been preaching that and saying, listen, they're just going to instill this offense. John Ross is Brandon Cooks. That's the role he's going to play. So now without A.J. Green out there, who would be Robert Woods, and he's going to he's going to eat. He's going to get a ton of targets. And if and when A.J. Green comes back, obviously that comes back down to earth. But they're playing a lot of 12 personnel also. So you've got uh, CJ Uzuma's getting a lot of love. Eifert's not totally dead yet. I mean, I can't believe he survived the week. Hallelujah. Light a candle. Uh, yeah, this is an offense you shouldn't really sleep on. I think Andy Dalton is a guy in, in two quarterback leagues, or if you're just streaming a quarterback, he's totally viable. If you remember a year ago before he got hurt, he was really good. He was like a top eight guy. So um, you know, if Dalton's out there and you need a backup, like I said, maybe you've got Deshaun Watson. You could do way worse than Andy Dalton because it's a different offense. A.J. Green said it today. Uh, not A.J. Was it A.J. Green? Uh, one of their guys I saw online today talking about it. And he just said, he goes, this is like the best offense we've had here in, in years. And, and it just it looks great. So uh, I'm a fan. I like what they're doing. Maybe Mixon doesn't play this week, but Gio Bernard can jump right in there and it's just going to be more of the the Andy Dalton show yeah I'm a big fan of a Bengals stack this week in DFS I think they could, they could feast game stack the game if you want but the Bengals is a fun one uh, I like that they're cheap like too. That guy. oh they are very very cheap especially John Ross is like 4400 on DraftKings it's uh, Boyd's down there too it's, it's tasty very tasty 
Um, Andy Dalton was reminding me of that guy at TCU, just winging it all over the place. And uh, he definitely can do it. You mentioned Mixon's hurt. He returned to practice, but super limited. Keep an eye on that one. Gio will probably get a, a fair share of touches there. Yeah, I, I'd be shocked if they push it in week two against the, the 49ers. I'd be really shocked. Um, on the flip side with the Seahawks, I was a huge Chris Carson fan coming into the season. Huge. 15 carries for 46 and a touchdown, but seven targets, six catches, 35, and another score. They had him uh, all the, you know, inside the 20 work. They had him pretty much doing almost all the work. Penny saw the field much more, much, very limited compared to what people expected. Do you think, because I, I believe this is the Chris Carson we're going to see most of this year. Do you feel the same way? I love Chris Carson. I was advocating you could take him at the end of the first round, early second. You know, if you got him in the third or the fourth, it's highway robbery. He is the man. He's been the man there for a few years. They totally got nervous a few years ago uh, when he was banged up and they didn't really know what they had in him and they had to take Rashad Penny in the first round. It was a mistake by Pete Carroll. Uh, Penny is nothing more than a handcuff. So uh, Chris Carson, especially now with this work in the passing game, let's see, what did he do this week? Uh, Six for 35, seven targets. I mean, that's – you get a running back getting seven targets out there, just – you know, that's how you get wins in fantasy football. That I take that all day over, uh, you know, the Marlon Mack, who on most weeks is going to get you, you know, 80 yards. So there's your eight points from Marlon Mack. Uh, last question I have on the Seahawks here. Everyone was in love with Tyler Lockett. He was doubled up a lot. Two targets, one catch, 44 yards, and a touchdown. DK Metcalf, he was back six targets, four for 89. What's your level of concern with Lockett? And do you think this is a consi- like close to consistency we'll see with Metcalf week in and week out? Yeah, I tweeted earlier that um, before the season started, DK Metcalf is going to win people leagues. He is that good. All summer long out of Seahawks camp, you saw people tweeting videos of him just imposing his will on these corners. And he's just going – maybe that's because Seattle's corners suck balls now. But, you know, he's making plays out there. This is the kind of guy you want. He's big. He's strong. He's fast. He runs like a gazelle. (laughs) Yeah, give me a piece of this dude. You know, like, so I love him. I think Lockett will be fine, but welcome to the post-Doug Baldwin world. You know, you're going to get double teamed. They don't throw the ball all that much or have that many options where, why wouldn't a team double team you? You know, I mean, you're the only guy out there. Who else are they going to throw to? Like somebody's grandma running right? Steve Largent back on the field. (laughs) So uh, love DK. Big, big fan of his. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see how that goes because, yeah, Lockett was great when he's not the number one. We'll see if he can adjust. Otherwise, Metcalf's going to feast with that playmaking ability he has. Let's go Giants-Cowboys. Cowboys Cowboys is pure domination in this game. Absolutely, start to finish, crushed it. Dak Prescott over 400 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Zeke got eased back into it, still had a good game overall. Michael Gallup, seven for 158. Cooper, six for 106. Cobb got his. It was beautiful all around on the Dallas side of things. Going forward, I'm a big fan of what they're going to do. I think the new play calling and everything is going to be consistent. Zeke might get a few more touches, but overall, they still ran the ball 26 times between Zeke and Pollard. So I don't see that changing too much unless it's a crazy game script. What are you thinking with Dak and Gallup and Cooper and company? They're going to kill it. I'm pissed I don't have more Dak Prescott out there. He was on a waiver wire in a league, and I'm like, yeah, I can wait, and I can scoop him up. And then, like, literally, what always happens, five minutes later, some asshole comes and takes him from underneath you. Uh, you know, they're going to rock and roll, man. They're going to throw the ball. 
it's uh, it's limited targets there. You've got Amari Cooper, who's probably going to be getting 20-plus percent of the targets. Michael Gallup has really improved. Uh, you could start him as a wide receiver three every single week, I think. Uh, Cobb underneath, you know, I'm not as, as keen on him. Witten is a glorified offensive lineman back there. But, hey, they're going to put up big-time numbers, and teams can't just sit there and go, all right, I know he's going to line up on the left, this guy's going to line up on the right, and these are the routes they're going to run. So, yeah, Dallas is dangerous this year, man. Those guys are going to put up some major fantasy points. Yep, they're going to be fun to watch, especially as the season goes on and hit into the postseason. Really scary stuff there. On the Giants side of the thing, Daniel Jones got some time, but he'll get his full time pretty soon. Barkley, 11 for 120, is mainly on a big run. Is basically 10 for 60 after that. Still good numbers. But the story was Evan Ingram, 14 targets, 11 for 116 and a score. And he's going to get a lot of work this weekend with Sterling Shepard out of there. What are you uh, thinking with Evan Ingram? Is he at, you know, you got Kelsey, you got Kittle. Where does Ingram fit into this whole mix of tight ends the rest of the way? He's as talented as any of those guys because he's basically a wide receiver playing tight end. Um, if he wasn't a tight end and you just said, oh, this guy's a wide receiver out there, you go, okay. You know, he doesn't look any different than anybody else, um, but he just happens to be playing a tight end. So he's awesome as long as he's healthy and they have no other options because the GM there is incompetent and just wants to sign 58 slot receivers. So, yeah, he's going to he's gonna crush it. If you got him, you're sitting on a top three tight end. I love it. I love it. Lions-Cardinals finished in a, a 27-27 tie. You know, there's TJ Hawkinson oh. went nuts. Amendola got his. Those are beautiful. Uh, Fitzgerald had a huge game. I was a big fan of him all season, saying a rookie quarterback is going to love that big weapon. David Johnson was used like David Johnson in the passing and the running game. All great stuff there. The one question I have for you, what did you think about Kyler Murray? The first half was dreadful. The second half looked much, much better. What do you think we see? Everybody talked about Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury like they were going to reinvent the wheel and show us things that we've never seen before in, in football, and, and that just didn't happen. Um, he's a really good player. He's got tremendous accuracy. He's got a lot of poise, and he can make NFL throws. He's a 1,000% better passer than a Josh Allen or even Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, and this kid, you can just look at the ease that it comes out of his hand. He's got to learn to read defenses. He's got to learn to know what's in front of him and he's going to take off and run a lot. You know, he's young and that's what he's going to do. And hopefully he stays healthy, but I like the kid. I think he's super fun. I want him on a roster if I can get him because there's going to be weeks where he scores hella points and you're going to be loving life. But there, and the other thing, the team sucks. So they're going to throw all the time. You know, the line's porous. I'm worried about David Johnson unless he's catching 10 balls a game. But Kyler Murray, yeah, man, sign me up. I think as the season goes on, he's just going to improve. And just the volume is going to make him viable. Kyler Murray or Cam Newton? Oh, Christ, I have Cam Newton that late. You know what? To be seen. Let me see this week how Cam looks. Um, and then otherwise I, I'd lean Kyler Murray just because of health basically at this point. And, and Cam's not running. If he's not running, he's worthless because now he's just a below average pocket passer. Kyler Murray or Andy Dalton? You know what's crazy? And no one has ever given Andy Dalton credit for anything because you put him on a big stage nope. and he always shits the bed. 
Um, but he's got way better weapons. Uh, I mean, you've got David Johnson. He's okay, but the line's so bad. Fitzgerald's good, but he's old. If A.J. Green's healthy, and they've got three legit receivers there. I still, for the rushing, give me Kyler Murray. Um, one last one here. Kyler Murray or Josh Allen? Oh, Kyler Murray all day. I, I don't want okay. – I mean, I get it. Josh Allen runs around and all that, but <laughs> it's so frustrating. I had a year – oh, God, how many years back was this? I had Tim Tebow was my quarterback. I had all kinds of injuries. And you're just watching the box score, and you're like, Jesus Christ, I hope this guy gets me six points. Then all of a sudden he runs and he gets one in and, you know, you get 20 for the day. But, like, I don't need that kind of stress in my life. I've got two small children and everything. I don't need more. (laughs) You're good there. All right, let's take a couple quick hitters here. Niners are at Tampa Bay. Um, Tevin Coleman's going to be out for a while. High ankle sprains. I mean, it's this week for sure. I'd imagine he sits a few more weeks. Matt Breida, Raheem Mostert. How are you assessing this running back situation in San Francisco? I write for a site called FightingChanceFantasy.com, and one of my preseason um, kind of superlatives, I guess, was Matt Breida is like the breakout player of the year. I love Matt Breida. Drafted him all over the place um, because in a Kyle Shanahan offense, it can feature multiple backs, and they can all be productive. And now, holy smokes, now he's the one. So he should have a nice game this week. He's no picture of health by any means. Uh, But when he's... When he's in there, a team that's going to be thrown to the backs and, you know, just playing from behind, I think he's got a really good shot at putting up RB, you know, low RB1 numbers. Uh, Mostert, you know, if you've got him, he's kind of like team preseason. You know, he, he does all that uh, in the preseason for numerous teams. Uh, you know, you can put him in there. If you get punt play in the, as a flex in DFS maybe even, if he scores, you know, he's going to give you three, four times value. Yeah, he's real cheap in DFS this week, too. I could see that being a popular play, but a good one in GPP for sure. Played the Steelers. Two questions for you here. Assuming Antonio Brown plays, the whole legal situation's a mess in its own right. I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer here. But you have Edelman, you have Gordon, you have Antonio. If On a week-to-week basis, I know it'll differ based on the matchup, but just in your head, like not in the top-tier situation, not in the worst, kind of like an, an average situation how do you assess those three receivers on fantasy i think edelman you always put in the lineup because the offense is designed that way i listen to charlie weiss talk about it he's like i'm the guy that built the offense it starts from the inside and goes out so edelman every week is in there gordon who i own in a few spots it worries me i'd be lying if if i said it didn't um i'm why is no one talking about the fact that Antonio Brown, who is obviously a complete fucking moron, like, why can we just say he's going to come into this offense and pick it up from day one? We've seen Chad Johnson and other really esteemed wide receivers go into this place and fail because they couldn't pick up the Patriots system. Why do we think he's going to come in with no training camp at all and just be a wide receiver one? It could easily not happen at all. Very, very true. It's a very, very valid point that no one's saying, and I hope you are correct with, because I have a lot of Josh Gordon, and I was just like you. I was not happy about that situation. So Yeah, quite that's, terrified. it's scary. Um, on the Pittsburgh side of things, that might have been one of the worst Pittsburgh Steelers games 
I've ever seen them play in the Big Ben era. It was bad. They're lost. Uh, I, I, I have confidence in James Conner. I'm not worried about that. Juju did not like getting double teamed. He made it work, but he did not like it. Um, everything was getting dropped by Moncrief. James Washington didn't do much either. I expect him to bounce back. I actually like him as a GPP stack this week in DFS at home against the Seahawks. Do you have confidence in this team bouncing back, or are there areas to really be concerned? Well, I think they're lost because, you know, they don't have the dynamic playmakers that they had before. Antonio Brown was great because he worked with the improvisation of Ben Roethlisberger. When Big Ben, things broke down, he could get open and, you know, he just kind of worm his way around and, and they'd make big plays that way. And Antonio Brown, for all the nonsense, is a fantastic wide receiver. Excellent route runner, good technician. Uh, he's very good at what he does. Juju's awesome, too. I'm a big Juju fan. He'll get his, and he'll be fine. Everyone talks about James Washington. They go, why isn't James Washington playing more? Moncrief sucks. He can't catch a cold. Well, James Washington plays the position. He plays the exact same position as Juju Smith-Schuster. He is his direct backup. So if you look in the preseason, everyone goes, oh, look, he caught all these passes. Yeah, he caught them from Mason Rudolph with the second team because Juju's out of the game. They could say, oh, take Moncrief out and put Washington in. Well, that doesn't work because that's not the position he's learned. Deontay Johnson, the rookie um, who's very Antonio Brown-like, would fill that role unless they switch some things up. Maybe they move Juju to the slot where Ryan Switzer is right now. But that's the whole thing going on in Pittsburgh is James Washington needs to be on the field, but he just can't because that's where Juju is right now. No, that's a very good point that you made there to let everybody know because that's most of Twitter. Why can't they play James Washington? So on and so forth. And I, I think Moncrief will figure it out. And I'd imagine. I, I don't see them just saying, oh, screw, we're screwed here. And we'll, we'll, we'll make it work one way or another. I think that'll be fine. I think we see a lot more James Conner this week. Uh, they, they fell behind so quickly and just completely changed the game script for the uh, Steelers this past week. But we'll wait and see. Uh, the two Monday night games real quick, Texans uh, and Saints was an instant classic right out the gate. That was some of the craziest things I've ever seen at the end there. Uh, absolutely amazing. Deshaun Watson, you mentioned, is going to die uh, potentially uh, at some point in time this season. Drew Brees looked great in the dome. On the Texans side of things, running back-wise, Duke had nine carries for 57, also had four catches for 33. Carlos Hyde looked actually decent, 10 carries for 83. Duke's a great PPR guy, but what's your level of control that Carlos Hyde played in this offense? Yeah, Hyde's going to play. There's no doubt about it. I don't trust Bill O'Brien at all. He's a dope. You can see it from the moves he makes as the de facto GM. Uh, we, it, How many times, folks, are you sitting at home on your couch and you're like, why is this guy in the game? Why is this coach doing these stupid things? These coaches are human. They fall victim to, you know, just – just dumb things and they, they don't always play their best players all the time because you can't give Duke Johnson 40 carries in a week. He can't get all those touches. So Hyde's going to get work. And if you've got him out there, you know, hope he falls into the end zone and, and get you 10, 15 points in a week and you'll be real happy. I, I wouldn't count on him most weeks, but you know, if you got him on your bench, there's worse players you could have. Yeah, the, the, the Saints busted out. Kamara did his thing. Thomas did his thing. I don't have a whole lot to say besides the guys you want to bust out all busted out. It was it was the Saints in a dome doing the Saints things. Um, Raiders beat 
the Denver Broncos, and they looked really good doing it, Brian. I don't know about you. Like, they looked really confident, calm, cool, collected. Maybe the Broncos are that bad. I find it hard to believe they're that bad. But the Raiders looked good. Jacobs was an absolute workhorse in the backfield. Derek Carr looked good. Tyrell Williams balled out. Waller was a stud. What are you thinking with the Raiders? You know, they got a, an interesting game against the Chiefs this weekend. Are we going to see a, a, a better Raiders team than we expected, especially fantasy-wise? The last two times Derek Carr played against the Kansas City Chiefs, I believe he finishes quarterback two and quarterback four. So he's had really good experiences against this Chiefs defense. And that could absolutely happen again this week. They're going to be behind, and he's going to be throwing the ball over the field. Love Darren Waller. I uh, bought into the preseason hype, drafted him in a few spots. Uh, I've got a team where I've got him and Jared Cook. I'm going Waller, just you know, putting the pedal to the metal. He's the starter now on that team. If you've got him or you can go get him, he's going to be a top seven tight end. You saw what they did with Jared Cook. It's the exact same offense, and he's going to be nasty. Tyrell Williams, if you landed him real late, congratulations. He's going to be a nice wide receiver too. Uh, someone else has to emerge, though. I don't know if it's Hunter Renfro or Ryan Grant. Someone else has to pop here. It can't just be two guys. And Josh Jacobs looked fantastic. Uh, he got every you know, every conceivable ball to a running back. It was to him. Jalen Richard is on the side of milk cartons right now. Hey, what's not to like? Uh, every year we see teams that are supposed to be dog shit become viable teams. I, if you look outside of the Chiefs, the Chargers have all these injury issues. The Broncos look awful. Why can't the you know? Why can't Denver be an eight and eight, nine and seventeen? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It could be very, very interesting there. Let's just wait and see Keelan Doss get come back and make some noise. That'll be real fun. Hard knocks life. Knock on wood. If you're with me. Um, Last but not least, any final thoughts on week one that we might not have talked about that kind of stood out to you when you went back and recapped the week? A lot of the guys who were scoring, it was a lot of big shot play guys. John Ross, Deshaun Jackson, um, you know, guys who can go deep and they're just catching long bombs. They always say the defense is ahead of the offense early in the season. But it looked like these offenses are just firing away these deep shots. And if you connect on them, then, hey, there you go. But the offenses still, to me, look really bad. Most of these guys aren't playing in the preseason, like a Wentz and a Goff. So they're going to get better as the season rolls on. Don't panic with your fantasy teams out there if you had a guy. I mean, remember last year, Matt Ryan and Travis Kelsey had horrible week ones. They were fine at the end of the year. Take advantage of other people's fear and stupidity early in the season and just play the long game. Don't get too anxious. I've fallen victim to this a thousand times myself, but just take it slow. You know, sometimes you just got to put the phone down and go for a walk, go drink a beer, go hang out with the family. uh, And and don't worry about fantasy 24 seven. Just let things play out. The work you put in listening to shows like this are going to get you to the promised land. That is some very, very sound advice. Good stuff there. Great analysis, as coming to expect from Mr. Brian Drake here. Before we wrap it up, why don't you plug all your podcasts, uh, the good guys at Fighting Chance that are good friends of the show, and uh, Twitter, all that good stuff. Let everybody know what they, where they can find you. Yeah, check me out on Twitter at Drake Fantasy, like the rapper, but with much less talent. Uh, you can follow my show at FF Hustle. I do that with Dwayne McFarland. He's a, a writer for 
Matt Waldman, RSP.com and football guy. So he's super smart. I just kind of tease stuff up to him all week. Uh, so we do the fantasy football hustle. I write stuff over at fightingchancefantasy.com. Ryan Hallam and the guys there, they're great. Some of the best people I've ever met in the business. And I do a new DFS show, which I'm going to be taping like 30 seconds as soon as I hang up with you here. Uh, it's called Eat the Chalk. If you go on you know, iTunes or whatever, just type in Eat the Chalk. Uh, it comes up. It's like one of the top 20 returns. I was shocked when I saw that today for having only an episode. Uh, at Eat the Chalk DFS is the Twitter handle for that show. And thanks so much for having me, man. This was a lot of fun. I, I appreciate it. Yo, thanks for joining me. I'm glad we uh, could make this work. I've been following you for a while. I love what you got going on over there. Uh, keep up the good work on your end, and we'll definitely do this again sometime. So thanks for joining me. Thanks, man. All right, everybody. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 210, recap of the fantasy week one action with a look ahead to week two with Brian Drake. Catch you guys later. Mm-hmm.